like been going off for the last two weeks about the media being bad to the Panthers and getting all about Greg Hardy and and how it's so terrible what's happening to the Panthers and blah blah blah. And I was like, so maybe they should just have done the right thing. Maybe that would have made everything go away. And he was like, well, no, because it still would have. The media still would have beat them, and I was like, well, either way, I'm just happy in my decision to not care about football this year. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, man, the NFL, I mean, basically ever since Manziel came to the league, <laughs> you can't blame him for all of it, but I mean, yeah. I mean, look at all the NFL has been since, like, May. Yeah. Manziel, Michael Sam, uh, beat the <laughs> out of your spouse. Beat the out of your children. I mean, that, that's all it's been, man. Well, here's and here's the weird thing. I was going to mention this later in the actual podcast, but um, I took a screenshot of ESPN, just ESPN's front page. Here's uh-huh. here's the headlines starting from the top. Uh, Dwyer charged with assaulting woman, comma child. Panthers Hardy also placed on exempt list. Winston suspended for one half. Vikings admit, quote, mistake as Peterson barred. Peterson's mom, not about abuse, but love. Texas quarterback Ash to end career after tough year. And say what, Kaepernick fined $11,000 appealing. That's the top six or seven headlines on ESPN.com. So literally the only thing that has to do with actually playing football sort of is David Ash. Yeah, and, and how he's not going to be playing football anymore. Well, you, you read why, right? Uh, yeah, it's a concussion thing, right? Concussions, yeah. He's yeah. had like a bunch of concussions. So. Which, which is another thing the NFL is dealing with. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, I'll tell you, man, right now, football, I'm telling you, dude, I think, it, I, told, I told you I don't think it'll be around in 30 years. That 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 process might be getting sped up. Well, not, and, and I mean, just and not in the way that we know it now. It, right. It, I just, I just don't know, man. Uh, I'm gonna be honest with you. I think in 15 years, I don't think the NFL is gonna be the top sport in America. I'm agreeing with you, man. I mean, how many? You know, it, it's one of those deals. It's like, how much is too much? Mm-hmm. You know, I can take one guy or two guys getting in trouble every now and then. Mm-hmm. I mean, my God, all you hear in the NFL is, I mean, every day somebody's in trouble or something. Yeah, I mean, this is. I mean, this this guy Darcy from the Cardinals. If you it's so it's been him, Hardy, Rice. Uh, there was another guy from the 49ers. McDonald. That, yeah, McDonald, and that's like the past five months. Well, I mean, but really, I mean, other than McDonald and all those guys you just said, it's been like this week. <laughs> yeah, that's well, no, uh, D- Darcy was actually apparently. His his incident took place in July. He's getting deactivated this week, but he his yeah. incident took place in July. And there's the problem is that all of a sudden all of these teams look like complete assholes because it's like, oh well, suddenly now all these months later you want to do something about it, mm-hmm. and everybody's like, it's obviously only because you know it's reactionary now. Well, and that's what the guy on I was talking to on Twitter brought was mentioning like, oh well, you know the media is going to kill the Panthers if if they don't deactivate Hardy, and then if they do, they're going to kill them because they took too long and blah blah. blah. I'm like, well, that's why you just do it. 
That's why exactly. you don't you don't wait around. I'm like he was, and and I didn't even realize this mainly because I didn't keep up with it that well. I I thought I thought he was still in the legal process. Apparently, he's actually been convicted, and he's now in an appeals process. So, yeah, I'm like no, the, like at first I was like okay maybe, maybe you still let it play out. But if he he got convicted in July, no no he gets deactivated immediately. Like, and dude, here's what's weird. It's like I'm mean, really Ray Rice got on cameras doing everything because I mean, dude, for years of her, oh yeah, he beat up his wife or he beat up his girlfriend. Right. It's always just right. kind of like uh oh well you know it's. Whatever they do to him legally, they do. But, you know, we're not doing anything to him. The only thing that changed it is that Ray Rice got caught cold cocking his, his wife. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's... I mean, if, even if that had just been an incident, you know, it would have been swept under the rug other than the fact that there's video. I'm telling you, the video changed everything. And, I mean, even to an extent, it did still kind of get swept under the rug a little bit when it was just... When it was just the video of him dragging her. Like, I mean, this happened back, what, March, April? And then it's only been the last couple weeks once the the actual punch gets released that now, now we have to actually do something. Whereas before... Now, the now bu- there's complete outrage about it. Before he was just an asshole. Now he's, you know, now he's a horrible person. But. I, I am very... Very disappointed in just everyone right now. I'm extremely turned off by everything the NFL's doing. Yeah, it's it is depressing, and I, and obviously we're going to talk more about it on episode 21. No, sorry, 20, 20, 20. It's 20. I got it. I saved it. Of the all new sports of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 21 is next week. That's when we can bust out the Pappy Van Winkle before the pod. Um, it's at, yeah. It's Edward Green, joined as always by Wes Bradshaw. Um, we will be talking about the NFL more um, in, in the zeitgeist, uh, but a lot of stuff to talk about before then. Of course, Wes, the champions. We're the champions. Champions League is back, and it is beautiful. A lot of goals being scored the last two days. We'll recap all the matches and give you our expert analysis. Uh, We'll preview the Europa League matches, which are coming on tomorrow, as of this podcast. Uh, We'll talk about the Premier League and a big, big week in the cards for Man City. One of the matches already taking place today. Uh, We'll talk about the problems going on at Chivas USA a little bit. Uh, Not good stuff going there. Uh, as well as a little bit more, we'll of course also hit college football, if for nothing else, to get you a Todd Gurley update and preview his match where I'm sure he will go off for about 400 yards and eight touchdowns against Troy, single-handedly covering the spread by himself. Uh, we'll also get you a playoff race update in Major League Baseball, uh, and then, like I said, we'll talk about the NFL a little bit more, and we'll also talk a little television and get so raw, of course, at the end. Uh, of course, Wes, uh, you and I doing this. If you want to get in with us, you can follow us on Twitter at All New Sports Show or at either one of our individual ones at Wes Bradshaw 21 or at Edward Green. Let's, you can also hit us on Facebook.com slash All New Sports Show, Instagram.com slash All New Sports Show. 
uh, youtube.com slash the all new sports show where we have plenty of new videos every week. Uh, you can email us all new sports show at gmail.com and you can plain old mail us at 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. Uh, Wes, what you, you are back in the Champions League with Liverpool. How, how exciting was it to have a weekday football back at Anfield? It was very exciting, then it was very terrifying, and then it got very exciting again. Oh, I'm sure it was. Uh, We're going to start with Liverpool, and then we'll jump back up to the top. It's just moving down to Group B for a second. Uh, First, we will mention uh, Real Madrid 5, Basel 1, a quintet of goals by the most expensive team in the world. Nets an early win in the Champions League stage of Group B against Basel for Real Madrid with the likes of Benzema, James, Ronaldo, and Bale all scoring, uh, as well as getting an own goal from Suchi of Basel. Uh, Basel did make it 4-1 uh, right before the first half death, but Karim Benzema made it 5-1 at the end. Uh, no real surprise there. Obviously, Wes, uh, Real Madrid taking care of business in Madrid. They did. Um, you know, we talked earlier this year, we kind of joked about uh, all the trophies that Real Madrid could win. In absolute truth of it, this is their best one to win. Um, this is a team that is absolutely built for Europe. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they're built to win Spain, um, but they are. Uh, they're built for Europe. They're built to get out and play. Um, they are absolutely, as as a fan of an opposing team in their group, they are absolutely terrifying to watch attack. We will actually mention a little bit about that. You mentioned this might be their best chance to win another trophy this year. Uh, La Liga not starting off very strongly for them. Not really that great, but they well, are doing good. It doesn't help when you literally do not have a defensive midfielder on, in your team. Uh, uh, I mean, their team is built like a fifteen-year-old's FIFA team is. You know, they basically went out and they've got every ma- massive star player there is. Um, I mean, you've got six guys, three midfielders and three attacking forwards who are, they're all pedal to the metal attack guys. There is no steel in the middle of that defense. Um, but once again, like I said, they're built for Europe. Um, I think they're going to go extremely deep in the Champions League, if not win it again. Uh, but... I'd say that lack of a defensive midfielder, lack of anything holding in the middle, no Javi Alonso. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that team is very, very top heavy. Uh, and Louis Van Hall just shaking his head and in and knowing and understanding, like, oh, if only I had the defensive midfielders. Uh, it's unfortunate, but uh, Real Madrid do get a big win to open up group stage play, and now. Uh, we also have to go to the other match in Group B, uh, Liverpool to uh, Ludogorets. Ludens cough drops one. No, 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 Ed, you have to respect them. They're Ludogorets now. Oh they, oh, they are. They've earned your respect. They've earned my respect. They've earned the fact that I now know how to completely say your name because, once again, you had me in a fetal position for about a, a minute and a half. Oh, my. Um, and that was because, of course, after Balotelli's first goal in the Liverpool Red in the 82nd minute, which looked to make Anfield delirious, a ballo of Ludogorets Rasgrad uh, equalized in the 91st minute, and then it all came apart when the most familiar words in the English language came together, a Steven Gerrard penalty. 
was granted, and a strike by him in the 93rd minute gives Liverpool the win 2-1. Obviously, as you said, looked a little dicey there for just a few minutes, but then a bad foul by the keeper in the box against Liverpool allows them to escape with all three points. Well, um, all, all the ladies in my office were awful excited that I got excited again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> here I am sitting in my, uh, my workplace uh, with this itsy-bitsy sound coming out of my speakers on my computer, and I'm literally at my desk with my head in my hands. I literally started banging my head against the desk, and then I jumped up in sheer joy and threw my hands in the air and screamed, Hell yes! <laughs> um. Uh- how do you feel about this win, though? Obviously, back in the Champions League after five years, uh, Balotelli getting his first goal for Liverpool uh, and then pulling it out at the death. Uh, were, were you? I, I know you weren't expecting to get this much pushback from Ludogorets. Are are you are you surprised? Are you a little worried about Liverpool? Do you think that this is part of the Daniel Sturridge injury manifesting a little bit? Um, as far as Ludogorets, yeah, I wasn't expecting what I saw, but um, left extremely impressed with that group. Um, you know, they're they're a small they're a small club that really has just become a you know a big time player in Bulgaria, basically because uh, the guy who bought them has pumped like millions of euros into the team. He's brought in players, uh, Brazilians, some of the top Bulgarian national players, obviously playing for Ludogorets. Um, I was surprised, and most of it just stemmed from I didn't know much about them. So as any typical good English fan would do, um, you just completely underestimate the other guys. <laughs> uh, and, and I'll give it to them, man. They were they were tough as they were tough as nails. Those guys, they did not back down. They attacked. You know, you also figured they would come in. You know, try to park the bus, make Liverpool break them down. Oh, those guys played an open attacking game. Really played into Liverpool's strength, um, but did a good job for 82 minutes, keeping them off the scoreboard. Uh, so I was really impressed with Ludogrets. Um, I still don't know really if they're going to be able to win much in this group, uh, but I've got to figure that trip to uh, Bulgaria is not going to be easy you know, for anyone, probably other than Real Madrid at this point. Um, but they're, they're definitely going to make things interesting. I will definitely say that. Um, as far as Liverpool goes, I'm not disappointed. I'm, I'm obviously extremely excited with the win. At, at this time, I'm kind of taking everything Liverpool does with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. A, yes, Daniel Sturge is out injured. By the way, back in training today, as of today being Wednesday, back in training for Liverpool. Doubt we'll see him this weekend against West Ham. But uh, hopefully the weekend after, which oh, I almost want to say that's going to be the first Merseyside derby with Everton. Um, maybe a chance we get Sturridge back for that one. Uh, of course, October 1st, their next game in Europe against Basel. Um, I, I still think they're, they're running into some of the same problems, kind of like they did the other day uh, in, the, in England, where they're, they're blooding in a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that entire back line, you know, uh, Moreno, Manquillo, uh, Lovren, their brand new Sako is really a first time consistent starter. You know, then you move up, you had Lalana, you have Balotelli. Um, just you know, a lot of new faces in the team. 
and they're they're taking time. They are taking time to gel. You know, Coutinho has not been very good thus far this year, which has been surprising to everyone. I think he had a strong preseason, but Coutinho has not come out flying, and that's hurt him some. So you know, right now they're kind of having to ride um, Stevie G from the back. Uh, you know, Jordan Henderson, who uh, just in the past week has been named the new vice captain of Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to uh, Jordan Henderson. Uh, and, of course, uh, Raheem the Dream, who the best teenager in Europe right now, Raheem Sterling, they're kind of having to ride those guys. Um, and it, it has not – there have definitely been growing pains, and there will continue to be growing pains. But um, in the long run, I think, you know, you get us into about November and going, I think Liverpool could really find their uh, find their swing and uh, really play some really good football this year. You do mention uh, Coutinho uh, not getting off to a very strong start. Actually came off in the 68th minute uh, for and made way for Lucas Lavia, who is someone during the preseason that at, when it came to the end of the Guinness Cup, you didn't know if you maybe would ever see him again in Anfield yep. Red. And here he comes on for his fellow countrymen. Um, my only question is, when does when does the back line go from they need time to gel together to oh crap why aren't they gelling together like wh- like well, where where do you, I'm not saying it needs to be now but where how how far down the line does that transition happen maybe in November December well what's going to also be interesting is when uh, Martin Skirtle is back healthy enough to play again you know. Uh, I just I, I think that you went out and you spent a good chunk of money on Dejan Lovren, mm-hmm. um, and Lovren has been good and bad thus far. Um, but you know he's a guy that you brought in because of his one of the reasons his immense leadership skills and his ability to um, settle the back. Um, the kids out on the on the wings, the left back and right back, Mankia Marina, uh, buddy, those guys aren't going anywhere. They are spectacular going forward. Uh, of course, Mankio winning the penalty yesterday that Steven Gerrard calmly buried to win the match. Um, he has been fantastic on a two-year loan from Atletico Madrid with an option to buy, which if I read it right, the option's only about five million pounds, which could be absolute steal for a 20-year-old <laughs> right back. It could be a right back for the next decade. Um Moreno, they're still getting their footing. I'm just, I'm not too worried about that back line. I'm going to tell you how that back line, what I am worried about. I'm worried about Sumo Mignola. I'm worried about the keeper at this point. Really? He just, he's a good shot stopper. But, I mean, at this level, everyone should be able to stop shots. You know, he's not a great distributor. He's not great in the air. He's not great commanding that back line. And, you know, some people say, well, you know, you've got to give him time to grow into it. He's he's relatively relatively young for a top-flight keeper, um, only 27 years old. You know, most keepers don't really seem to peak until their early 30s. Um, there are very, very strong rumors that Liverpool have already uh, kind of agreed in principle to sign uh, Victor Valdez who is the, um, you know, kind of the free agent, the hot free agent out on the market right now, uh, was obviously has won trophy after trophy with Barcelona over the years. Um, last season had decided he was going to let his contract run out and most likely was going to sign with Monaco for a gigantic contract. Mm-hmm. And then he tore his ACL in March. And everything's kind of going to sh- 
for that guy since. You hate it, but you know at the same time now Liverpool a chance to bring him in, and you know if you get Victor Valdez back to where he was, I mean Victor Valdez was one of the elite European goalkeepers. You know you um you know, at that point Simon Mignolet like, better figure something out because he he could really find his spot in jeopardy very quickly. Well, we will keep up with that fluid situation over at Anfield as they go. Uh, the next match is for Group B. As you mentioned, Liverpool will be traveling to uh, St. Jacob's Park and Basel on October 1st. Also the same day, Real Madrid will be making that trip to Bulgaria to face Ludogorets Razgrad. Uh, so we'll see if Razgrad can put up more of a defense than Basel did when Real Madrid ran roughshod over them. And again, standings in that group, Real Madrid, Liverpool top the table with three points. Madrid obviously in front with goal differential. Uh, and Rosgrad and Basel currently with zero points. Back up to Group A where we start all this. Uh, first matches, uh, maybe a little bit of a shocker. Uh, Olympiacos 3, Atletico Madrid 2. Uh, Olympiacos gets two goals by Masuaku and Afale uh, before Madzukic of Atletico brought them back within one just before the end of the first half. Mitroglou puts Olympiacos up 3-1 with a goal in the 73rd minute. Griezmann tried to get Madrid back in the 86th, but it was all for naught as Madrid falls 3-2 with their head coach still up in the stands, serving a bit of a suspension. On the other side, uh, over in Turin, Italy, uh, Juventus to Malmo FF nil. Uh, a pair of Carlos Tevez goals was all Juve needed to lock up three points. Uh, Wes, as I consult my magic sheet here, uh, both of us had Atletico Madrid winning this group. Uh, does this 3-2 result for Olympiacos throw us a little into chaos for Group A? Um, I'm not. I'm still not worried really at all for Atletico. <clears throat> um, you can usually afford a hiccup, mm -hmm. especially when the rest of your group isn't really you know brutally difficult. Um, obviously, uh, Juventus is good. Um, Malmo. Sorry, they're crap. And, uh, <laughs> I, I don't see Olympiacos taking this early advantage and running with it. I just, I really don't. Um, I, I still think we're easily getting Juve and Atletico coming out of it. And I still think Atletico will find a way to top the group. Well, I, I think that's going to be key. Uh, their next match will be hosting Juve. So I think if they can get a win there and get three points, get right back in this, I think you're right. But if Juve goes into Madrid and wins, I oh, think... Now, then yeah, then you've got a problem. I yeah. mean, then we are panicking on the pick, but as of now, I'm not. Well, that is their next match, and that, again, will be October 1st. Also October 1st will be Malmo FF hosting Olympiacos over in what I believe is Sweden. Yes, correct, Sweden. <laughs> All right, moving on. I know flags. Group C, uh, a couple more results here. Uh First one over in Monaco, the team you just mentioned. Uh, Monaco won Bayer Leverkusen nil. A Moutinho goal for the Frenchman was all it took to get three points at home. On the flip side, uh, Benfica nil. Zenit St. Petersburg dos. Uh, a goal by Hulk 
everyone's favorite Brazilian, in the fifth minute, put them through, and a Witzel goal in the 22nd minute was just enough insurance over in Estadio da Luz in Lisbon. Uh, Andres Villas-Boas still doing things on the world stage, apparently. And uh, Zenit St. Petersburg and Monaco currently top Group C. Uh, I think just about what we thought to happen, uh, although maybe a bit of a lopsided result against Benfica for ZSP. But other than that, group holding to form, Wes? Uh, you know, home teams getting the wins makes a little sense. Um, well, ZSP was actually on the road. I'm sorry, that was right. You're right about that. Um, Monaco, I've, I've kind of lost that love for Monaco that I've had recently. Um, well, do, shopping, for, shipping away their two best players probably will do that. Yeah, you know, the loss of Falcao, and for sure, you know, whatever reason, I know, you know, you can get into reasons with what Monaco's doing, but um, didn't really bring anybody in to replace, um, you know, the principality as they are, as you, you call them Frenchmen, they are not truly Frenchmen, they are a principality. True, that is true. Uh, they true. just happen to play in the French League, of course, but, uh, you know, their their owner is a, a Russian oligarch, gotta love those guys. <laughs> For, uh, he's going through a major, major divorce where his uh, soon-to-be ex-wife, it may be over by now, I, I don't even know, but apparently she was uh, standing to maybe get the second or first, second or third like largest settlement in the history of the world. Oh, my. Oh my. <laughs> so, I mean, he had a lot, a lot, a lot. I mean, we're talking billions of uh, euros going over to the ex. But that said, that still means that he has billions of euros himself. But um, Monaco just didn't really invest a lot, and they haven't played very inspiring football thus far. Leverkusen is a team that, excuse me, they love to play wide-open football. Mm-hmm. Um, they like to score early. They like to score often. You know, They're a team that likes to get you on the back foot and then run you rampant, you know, much like Liverpool of a season ago. It's kind of their style. So to see them not only lose but to get shut out, that's that's really impressive by Monaco. And uh, I'm going to give that to them. <clears throat> as far as um, Kuska and um, Benfica, uh, I'd still say it's a little surprising. Um, you know, Benfica, I believe the number one team in that group, you know, they're always very tough to beat in the Champions League. There always seems to be one, one or two of those Portuguese teams um, that make it to the knockout round. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it'll be really interesting now to see how that group goes moving forward. Yeah, and a battle of the two teams with three points will be the next match. Uh, Zenit St. Petersburg will be hosting Monaco in St. Petersburg, uh, and then Bayer Leverkusen will be hosting Benfica as both teams look to at least get a point there and stay afloat in Group C. Uh, over to Group D, where we have our first draw of the Champions League. Um, we start with the, uh, Galatasaray 1, Anderlecht 1. A Pride's goal for Anderlecht looked like they would be getting the full three points, but Yilmaz scores in the 91st minute to level for the Turks and get a much-needed point in what is going to be, I think, a very, very tough group. On the other side, over at the Yellow Wall in Dortmund, it's Borussia Dortmund 2, Arsenal nil, Immobile proving he was not, as he scored just before the first half ended, uh, followed immediately after the... <laughs> you liked that, didn't you? Uh, of, course, of course, the Italian uh, pronunciation is Immobile. Oh, well, you know. 
let you know, if you just want to call him immobile, that's fine. He, he's actually quite mobile. <laughs> he is very mobile. He's very, very mobile. Um, uh, and another one I'm just going to absolutely bur- butcher, Abuma Yang for Borussia. Abuma Yang. Yeah. He's like a boomerang. Uh, scores in the 48th minute just after what I'm sure was an amazing Arsene Wenger pep talk for Arsenal. Um, so Borussia Dortmund currently tops the group with three points. Anderlecht and Galatasaray tied at one. And Arsenal currently at zero points, just one match in. Um, obviously, besides wondering what is wrong with Mesut Ozil, uh, anything surprising in Group D? No. Um, I mean, I, I think even most Arsenal fans... Would have been thrilled to go to uh, Dortmund and come out with a draw. Absolutely. Um, but I think most of them were prepared that we might lose this match. Um, so, I mean, even looking at ESPN um, on ESPN FC, even putting the numbers in, Arsenal, I believe, was still a 66% chance of advancing out of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the. I don't think anyone is going to go into Dortmund expecting it a bit of, to get a victory. Uh-huh. And Arsenal may have been the only ones who even thought they could go in and get a draw out of that group. So, uh, much as I'm not an Arsenal fan, I still think Arsenal's just fine. They they just need to toe the line. They need to win. Obviously, against those other two teams, they need to win their matches. Um, but I, I think Arsenal's fine to go through. Well, they will be taking on Galatasaray next month, October 1st, at the Emirates. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see if they can get the win there against the Turkish team. Uh, also, the other match, Anderlecht will be hosting Borussia Dortmund over there in Belgium. And so we'll have to see if they are a little let down after giving up the late goal at Galatasaray. Over in Group E, and this starts the matches that were played today. Uh, first of all, and this is where some goals started getting scored, uh, Roma 5, CSKA Moscow 1, Roma with a big win, including goals by Gervinho and Maicon for the Italian side. Uh, over down in Munich at Allianz Arena, it was a Jerome Boateng deflection in the 90th minute that gave Bayern Munich a 1-0 win over Manchester City. And to go very reactionary on U.S., once again, Man City and the Champions League are crap. Uh, yeah, but the problem is uh, Man City always seems to get freaking Bayern Munich. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, it, that's a joke. I, I, I think it's it was a very, very tough result, I think, for Man City today when they probably deserved a point. Uh, and that's that's yeah, asking I just, a lot. Yeah, I think City's going to be absolutely fine. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, God, I mean that that's Bayern Munich at Bayern Munich. I mean, they're probably still the one or two best teams in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I have no doubt for Man City, even even with that Roma win. Um, I still love Man City's chances going forward. Uh, you did actually pick Man City to win this group. Uh, how do you feel about that pick now? Do you, do you still do you think they might now finish second to Bayern, or or can they still pull off a group victory? Well, just remember, I mean, Bayern's still got to come to the Etihad, which is not an easy place to play, um, and they're going to be doing it later into the. You know that that's actually, you know, that one could come down. That could be for the winner of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, it could be up for grabs in the last because uh, I believe that will be the last match day. It's the of, next uh, to last match in the group. Yep. Excellent. Okay, I, I can't remember how they did the numbers. I mean, it's going to come down late. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm still, I'm still quite confident in my Man City pick at this point. Well, that will be a fun day to circle on your calendars. That's November 25th when Bayern makes the return leg to the Etihad. Uh, coming up this September 30th, though. Uh, Roma will be making the trip to Manchester, as will Bayern Munich be making the trip to uh, CSKA Moscow. Um, is there any hope for Moscow, or are they doomed to finish fourth in this group? Um, you know, uh, <laughs> I think it was one of the great Russian leaders said, um, you know, the great equalizer is the Russian winter. <laughs> So uh, that, that that tells the Germans all they need to know. They have a lot of experience in the Russian winter over the past. So, uh, nah, um, I still think it's going to be tough for them to come out. But, um, yeah, I mean, Roma's, Roma's really good. I'll tell you, Roma, UEFA must hate Roma for whatever <laughs> reason. Because they always seem to put those guys in a group of death. Mm. Um, and usually it's Roma's inclusion. Oh God, this is a great group. Roma's in it. Um, you know, great to see Gervinio back and firing. You know, all he had to do was get away from um, the human Teflon shield, which is Arsene Wenger. Yeah, so it's, he, it's, nothing, that's how nothing it's happened. Fault. Never forget, he, nothing is Arsene's fault. It's always somebody else's fault. No, he scored multiple goals in the World Cup, and then comes in here into the Champions League and scores multiple goals. Exactly. Exactly. So. Um, you know, take that for what it's worth. But, Thanks, uh, Arson. Yeah, I think Roma Roma is very good. Um, so I, I just don't quite think they're on the level. They're obviously not day in day out on the level with um, with uh, Munich and with Man City. But in a one game atmosphere, I mean, that's definitely something to keep your eye on. And we will, as uh, Roma does travel to City, uh, that will be an interesting match. Uh, moving over to Group F, uh, Barcelona tops the table with three points after their 1-0 win against APOEL at Camp Nou in Barcelona. A Gerard Pique goal in the 20th minute uh, gets the win for Barcelona. Uh, and then in over in Amsterdam, Ajax won, Paris Saint-Germain won, an Edinson Cavani goal in the first 14th minute, excuse me, for PSG. Uh, stood up for much of the match, but a Shone goal for Ajax in the 74th minute pulled uh, them back to level and secured a point at home for the Dutch side. Um, any any notes on this group? Uh, are, are you surprised to see PSG concede even though it was on the road? They could, they do concede late, though. Um, Ajax has always been a really tough place to play oh, yeah. for a long time. Um, you know, they, they were one of Europe's elite back um, back in the day. Uh, they're, they're, that's not an easy place to go and play. Um, well, that's it. From what I heard about that, it was an extremely entertaining match, supposedly. A lot of up and down. A lot of things that, um, you know... Keepers having to make great saves, uh, you know, a lot of really beautiful football. So, you know, when you get those beautiful matches where it's up and down, uh, it almost seems like it's just a matter of time before someone scores. And it sounds like Ajax was very deserving of their equalizer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still not not worried about PSG by any means. Uh, as for Barcelona, 
Um, here is the message Barcelona would like to get across to everyone. Shh. Don't remind anyone that we're here, okay? <laughs> yes, we have the best player in the world. And uh, his buddy, who's the best player maybe in South America, not named Messi, um, you know, he's getting healthy. And then, oh, wait, the other best player in South America hasn't even played yet. So don't tell anyone. Don't remind anyone that we're here. But we're really freaking good. Yeah, a 1-0 a uh, win over APOEL. Not going to be a blip on too many people's radars. But I tell you what, that September 30th match, when when if they can maybe get one of one of his two South American friends back as they travel to uh Parc des Princes in Paris uh to go take on PSG, I think that could be very very exciting. Of course, also news come out on a sidebar that uh um Suarez will be making his uh, La Liga debut against Real Madrid in the Clasico. So uh, good, good on their, the the group deciding that, saying, "Hmm, when can we bring Suarez back?" I know. Let's bring him back right before the Real Madrid match. Let's yeah, do I it then. That, I thought that was absolutely not looked at at all, or even thought. Well, you know, this would probably put ratings through the roof. No, they wouldn't think about anything like that. Oh, no, 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 no. They probably just said, oh, we're really doing this expressive formula, and it is on this date. Oh, what's this? They play Real Madrid the next day? Oh, I do not know this. Ah, oh, how about the coincidence? Oh, we just lucky there. Um, now, I, I'd like to see the date on it because, um, you know, I really cannot wait for a Champions League matchup that features uh, not only Messi, not only Neymar, not only Suarez, but also the greatness that is Zlatan all on the field together. And then Ed, you throw in, um, you know, you throw in the hilarious zany uh, capers of um, one sideshow Bob, aka David Luiz. <laughs> also, that tranny lover Tiago Silva, and oh. we are good. To go. Oh well, that that uh, will most likely be the return leg to Barcelona which will be December 10th, the last match of the group stage for both teams. That'll be PSG at Barcelona. Wait, um, I won't be on my cruise until the week after, Ed. Good job. Oh, internet high five. High five. All righty. Uh, group G is what we're moving on to next, the next to last group of this stage of the competition. Uh, and we had a pair of 1-1 draws. Uh, Chelsea won, Schalke 4 won, a Cesc Fabregas goal in the 11th minute. Looked to be good for Chelsea, um, but it was a Huntelaar equalizer in the 62nd minute for the German side. That made it 1-1. Also over in Maribor, it's Maribor 1, Sporting CP of Portugal 1. Nani scored late in the 80th minute, the Manchester United cast-off. But Zahovic uh, scored in stoppage time in the second half to get Maribor a point. So four teams, a point apiece, Wes. Um... Not a bad start for um, the two favorites of that group, of course, being Chelsea and Schalke. Mm-hmm. Um, Schalke has really, really had a slow start in uh, uh, the Bundesliga this year. Um, in Klaus Jan Huntelaar, the man who scored today, they have one of the true poachers 
mm-hmm. of uh, European football. He's, he's a, a large he's man. A Dutchman. He's a Dutchman, and we don't hold that against him here. Yeah. Um, but he he's a guy who he just finds ways to score. He's he's built well to play in Europe. Uh, and then, of course, the, the main man for Schalke is an up-and-coming uh, German, a 20-year-old named Julian Draxler, who um, a lot of people thought was going to be on his way to Arsenal and may still be in the future. But um, he's he's very special. He's a special player. Um you know, for them to get a point off Chelsea, well, obviously, I mean, obviously, Schalke is the happy team off of this. Oh, it has to be. Uh, Chelsea, I, I, now I have unfortunately not had a lot of time to look at today's results. Did Diego Costa play? Um, I don't believe so. I will look it up really quick, but I don't, I believe I heard that he did not play. And just looking really quickly here, uh, actually, he did come on in the 74th minute for Willian okay. after he picked up a card, but nope, that's, okay. he did not start. All right. And, and that, that obviously, I mean, that, that's going to be the key all season moving forward for everything Chelsea does mm-hmm. because he is the only legitimate striker that they have. I mean, yes, they've got Drogba, who I believe started today. Yes, he did. Um, I mean, I mean, they've got a few guys. They've got some nice names of older players, but really Costa, and Costa's one of, probably one of the five top strikers in the world. He proved his quality over the weekend in the Premier League match where he picked up a hat trick yeah. uh, against Swansea. He is... He's truly fantastic. So, um, you know, when he's not playing, they're definitely losing a, uh, a big part of their attack. Mm-hmm. But I think right now, I believe it was a calculated risk at the moment for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, Josie is extremely confident that they're coming out of this group. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, I, th- got- I, think he, I think he just wanted the point against Shawk. And I, I think he knows he can probably get six points uh, from yeah. the other two teams. Yeah, and, and also they've got uh, they've got some really big Premier League matches coming up here. Ooh. Oh, they um, do, and we will talk about one yeah. later. So you know, I think this was totally a you know I'm going to take my chance with the rest of these world class players that I have, and uh, I'm going to try to give Costa the day off. Well, not only that, uh, like like we mentioned, Costa coming on the 74th minute, also Loic Remy coming on in the 74th minute, and Oscar uh-huh. also not getting a start. Uh, he came on in the 67th minute. So, uh-huh. yeah, definitely. It's nice to these guys off the bench, isn't it? Yeah, it's not, not, not bad when you can just bring Loic Remy off the bench for no reason. Uh, also, just to prove once again, while we are a very suboptimal podcast, we do occasionally know what we're talking about. Uh, you mentioned Julian Draxler. He was named man of the match. So... Fantastic. He is, he's a great, great young player. Oh, he, and we will hopefully be able to watch him for many, many years, not at Arsenal. All right, uh, going to the least sexy group of them all, West Bradshaw, Group H, uh, but still produced six goals. Unfortunately, they were all for one team today. Uh, we start Porto 6, B-A-T-E, Borisov, nil. On the other side, over in Bilbao, Spain, it was Athletic Bilbao nil, Shakhtar Donetsk nil. They played to a dry, uh, a draw, but it's a Brahimi uh, hat trick for Porto that really set them off uh, with three other goals by Martinez, Adrian, and Abu Bakar. 
uh, to follow. Um, Porto, probably the strongest team in that group, maybe even by a bit of a long shot, although you did have Bilbao uh, actually as your group winner for Group H. Um, obviously, Borisov, not much to write home about uh, coming to us from Belarus, but very, very strong start from Porto. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, they might have gone ahead and won the group today just on gold for it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, that, that's massive. Um, still think it'll be Bilbao and Porto coming out of there. I don't think they're going to have too big a problem. You know, one really cool thing uh, about Bilbao, Bilbao, of course, located in uh, the Basque section of uh, Spain. Mm-hmm. And it, it is their policy pretty much that um, they only sign and uh, play Basque players. Really, very, very interesting, especially this day and age. And and I mean, here they are; they're still here. And you, know, you look at some of the guys they produced over the years. You know, Javi Martinez, um, Lorente, who is uh, one of the top strikers in the world now. Um, Javi Martinez, of course, um, the you know up until his injury this year was the the rock of the Bayern Munich midfield. Yeah, that's just um, that's a club that they have a vision. And they stick to their vision, and that's what they do. And um, I just think when that, when you can do that, and you've got top players that you're developing, um, I think it can take you a long way. And for that fact, I, I still think Bill Bell going to find a way to go through. Well, good on them. Good on them for having a plan and really sticking to it, and really, really cultivating what I'm sure is then a real fan base for the team, getting to see all these people from that area that you, I'm sure a lot of these people maybe actually know, and getting to see them play on a big stage like the Champions League, that's that's fantastic. Um, uh, your next matches in Group H will be Porto traveling to Shakhtar uh, on September 30th, uh, and Bilbao will be making the trip over to Belarus to take on BATE Borisov. So that is your Champions League. Uh, welcome back. Uh, which means that tomorrow or today, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, uh, it is Europa Day, Thursday night Ooh. football. Yay! Uh, we'll just mention uh, two quick matches here that will be taking place. And, and, and basically, what you're looking at is um, two days of uh, prime ribbon lobster. And then at the end of the week, it's like, crap, what have we got left? Oh, let's make sloppy joes. Ah, the, these are the sloppy thirds of your week. Uh, Partisan versus Tottenham Hotspur. That will be taking place over in Belgrade. As now, part other of, than that, I mean, we're, we're looking at primetime T-Bone State there, Edward. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, that's your highlighted match in Group C. And then if we travel over to Group uh, H... Uh, we see Everton hosting Wolfsburg. So Thursday night football returns to Goodison Park over on the other side of Liverpool, the other side being maybe Roger, eight feet away. Roger Bennett weeps. Oh, poor man. He'll, he'll be okay. But then again, that match uh, will be against Wolfsburg out of Germany. So that's your Europa update. Not not nearly as long as your Champions League update, mainly because no, they don't have their own not, song. We're not going through every Eastern European team that's in Europa. Yeah, not not especially not when it's only a matter of moments before they'll be re-annexed into Russia. So... <laughs> 
Moving on to your Premier League update. Uh, we had uh, some big, big matches this weekend, Wes. Many which made us, unfortunately, cry manly tears. Uh, we, we, can, we, can, we can just skip through all this if you'd like. Um, all right. Well, I will mention uh, it was some big results, of course. Arsenal and Man City playing to a 2-2 draw, which saw a lot of excitement. Uh, Chelsea coming back from being down 1-0 early on a Joel Terry own goal sees them get a 4-2 win against Swansea. Uh, Sunderland gets a 2-2 draw at the Stadium of Light in Sunderland, where a, lo- a draw feels like a loss. And then, of course, Liverpool nil, Aston Villa one, where a loss feels like not so bad now that we know Aston Villa might be okay. And as you know, as you mentioned on the all-new sports show, the show, on Sunday night, Aston Villa might just have Brendan's number over at Anfield. So very, very tricky there. And of course, on Sunday, unfortunately, the dream is dead for a winless United season as United run roughshod over QPR 4-0, momentarily pushing the Wolves back from Louis van Gaal. Because um, now they are obviously the favorites to win the league. Oh, absolutely. Um, so we will go ahead and update you on your Premier League schedule for this week, just Saturday and Sunday matches. Uh, get your day started the right way or sleep in. 7.45, QPR hosting Stoke. Uh, sleep at- Sleeping. Sleeping. Oh, oh, me too. Sleeping. Me too. Uh, the action doesn't get terribly better, although we do have one, a couple fun matches at 10 a.m. As Arsenal takes the trip over to Aston Villa, sudden world beaters Aston Villa. Also, what could be, I think, now a fairly interesting match at 10 a.m., Southampton going to Swansea. Swansea were top of the table, took a bad loss against Chelsea. Now Southampton, a team that... One of us, Wes, thought might be relegated this year, looking like they have a ton of life. So we'll see how Swansea handles them. And of course, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, Wes, uh, at 12.30, Liverpool goes to West Ham uh, to play them at 12.30 on Sunday uh, Leicester ver- uh, hosting Man United, where hopefully Leicester can get all three points. That's at 8.30, along with Tottenham hosting West Brom. Uh, hopefully the Spurs looking to put that draw against Sunderland behind them and get a full three at White Hart Lane. Uh, then at 11, uh, two, two fantastic match- matches, West uh, Everton hosting Crystal Palace. Can, can Crystal Palace come back and get three points over what has been a shaky team at home at Goodison Park. And then the match of the weekend. And Wes, you know, I'm not a fan of hyperbole. But this is obviously going to be the match that determines the Premier League results for the rest of the year. That's Chelsea at the Etihad. Okay, I thought we might get uh, Leicester Burnley here. Oh, no, 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 no. It is, it is Chelsea... At Man City, give us give us a quick preview on what is your match of the week, Wes. Sao Paulo calling in momentarily. All righty. And that, my Brazilian friends, is why you always lock the monkeys in their cages before you go to bed tonight and not vice versa. That's true. That's okay. a good point. Okay. Bye-bye. Ed, I'm back. Please excuse me. Sal Paolo was calling. Oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, now, uh, regale us with your preview of uh, Man City versus Chelsea this Sunday and what will obviously decide the Premier League title today. 
Um, where? Give me real quick. Where's it at? That is at the Etihad. Okay. Okay. Um, here is going to be the key. I'm not going to tell you who's going to win, who's going to lose. Here's the key. The key is um, a guy who has been an absolute stud in the Premier League for a long time now, but this season has just not really seemed all there, and that's Yaya Toure. Yeah. Yaya has um, – I don't know if it had something to do with birthday cakes um, or birthday cards or well wishes or whatever, but he's kind of lost it over the last six months ever since uh, City – you know, and I, as I use air quotes, um, you know, insulted him. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They sure do insult him by paying him, you know, twenty million pounds a year. It's just, God, I wish I could be insulted like that. Um, he he's going to be the key because he is the steel. He is the, you know, he is the rock in the middle of that Man City lineup, and if. Uh, if he comes and he just lollygags or he doesn't want to play that day, um, you know, as as good as City is, as many good players as they have, they will just be, you know, they'll be bullied off the ball by what is right now a really, really strong Chelsea side. Um, if I was a betting man, I think I'd be putting my money on a draw. But if I had to pick an outright winner, I think I'm picking Chelsea. We... I did. I was joking about the hyperbole. This obviously deciding the title match, but if if Chelsea get a win, and if let's say let's say they handily win, let's say they win maybe something like two nil or or three one, is is the title race over for all intents and purposes? Is this going to be basically Chelsea so long as Diego Costa doesn't get hurt? No, no. You um, it's always been said you do not decide. You don't decide who wins the title. In September, but you can lose the title in September. Mm-hmm. Um, now that is more along the lines of uh, you know your uh, Man United's Liverpool's thus far because you know they've just got such a battle ahead of them. Um, for City, it would be tough because it would already be, I believe, their let's say at least their second loss already in the league. Yeah, they they would have lost to Stoke and Chelsea and Drew at Arsenal. And usually, you know, if you go back, you can afford, if you want to win the league title on a normal year, you can afford about four to five losses over the season. Mm-hmm. And that would be two already if Man City loses. Um, it wouldn't be a death knell, but it would it would mean that they really need to step up and play some good football and hope along the way that Chelsea just starts dropping some points here and there. Um but Chelsea, Chelsea, they can kind of really take control of their destiny here with a win. Um, but you know, City's just too talented to um, to count out. Gotcha. And if 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 City do get a win, they will jump right up to ten points and be just two back of Chelsea. So obviously, nothing over there. If Chelsea do win, and if what I'm sure you hope would happen, Liverpool does, or I'm sorry, uh, Aston Villa does not win. Not that the two have anything to do with each other, actually. Uh, I'm still thinking of last week. Uh, if Aston Villa fall, uh, Chelsea will have opened up about a five-point lead, potentially, on second place, which it's that is a sort of a lot this early in the stage. And, of course, they also already have a goal differential of plus nine, the next biggest one is Southampton in fourth place at plus five. Um, 
so they are they are certainly your favorites going forward. But we will know a lot more after this. And Sunday. that's it. You know, we talk about Costa staying healthy, and I'm sorry. That's the one thing on Diego Costa right now is mm-hmm. he has not proven that he can stay healthy. Certainly, absolutely. Uh, you know, and I don't know if there's enough horse placenta in all of England to keep his hamstring from going under sometime this season. Um, they can afford to lose him for a game here or there, or maybe a couple games at a time. They cannot afford to lose him for a month or six weeks right. or eight weeks. That would be very detrimental to the cause at Chelsea. Um so that's the one thing, that, and, and that's why you didn't see him starting today in the Champions League because they know they've got to control his minutes and his injury opportunities. That that has to be controlled. Mm-hmm. If, if, if he does go down, you are going to go back to seeing, I feel, a lot of bus parking over at Stamford Bridge because it, without Diego Costa, I don't think this team is much different from the team last year that really, really struggled to produce anything offensively. But, well, I, I think you're better up front, even with Loic Remy. You're better That's up true. front. That's true. That is true. You know, and the fact you know you've got um, Eden Hazard has taken a step forward. Um, you know, they're they're extremely good. Even without Costa, they're extremely good. With Costa, they are European elite. That that's kind of the difference. I mean, that, I, I still believe they could win. I mean, I fully believe they could win the Premier League without Diego Costa being at his best. Um, they cannot win Europe without him being at his best. All right. Well, we will keep up with Diego Costa's health as well as the rest of the Premier League. Also, do want to just make a quick note, and this is kind of a sad story, I feel, before we hit another sad story. Uh, if we take a look at the championship uh, table right now, um, one noticeable name, especially after today's 5-3 loss at Nottingham Forest, uh, Fulham, relegated just this season from the Premier League through seven <laughs> matches in the championship, they have one point. Uh, I have no love for Fulham, so it doesn't bother me at all. It's... Um, I'm not a Shad Khan fan down in Jacksonville. Yeah, I'm not a fan of his anyway, and I think he, uh, I think he was one of those owners who he came in and he paid a lot of money for a Premier League team, just thinking, oh man, this is easy. I'm just going to turn around and make a buttload of money because I have a Premier League team. Yeah, I actually find it quite comical that they're tumbling down, and you know. I mean, as much as he won't invest real money into the Jaguars in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. to do the same thing now to Fulham, mm-hmm. to me, it's just kind of funny. Yeah, and uh, you look at their numbers. They've only scored six goals, 18 allowed. 18 allowed in seven matches. Just a lot of problems right now. At Fulham in the championship. Also, quick side note, Nottingham Forest does lead the championship with 17 <laughs> points. And guess who Spurs are playing next week in the FA Cup? Nottingham Fulham? Forest. Hooray. Oh, I'd be funny if it was Fulham. Oh, oh I, I'd, be, I'd be much happier if it was Fulham. <laughs> Are you kidding? Oh, God. Anyway, uh, like we mentioned, though, there is another a little bit of sad news to report. Uh, a report has come out that with 99% certainty, uh, Shivas USA will be going on hiatus for the 2015 NMLS season. Uh, it's very, very sad to hear, although it looks like the team has been very, very mismanaged for about the past seven years. Um, it does seem like uh, there is a chance that they might get the 
become a second quote unquote Los Angeles team as part of a rebranding. Um, but just very, very big struggles for Shivas. Uh, they've, they've had a lot of struggles and now this is the ultimate price to pay, which unfortunately for a league that is, uh, just starting to find some sense of relevancy as a black guy that they really don't need right now. No, and I'm, I'm not an MLS guy. Um, and then overall, teams in Los Angeles don't really draw much sympathy for me at all. Oh, yeah. The only people I'm really – I hate it for, and this is anywhere, I hate for fans. You know, and I'm talking real fans, the people who, like, invested themselves into Absolutely. teams. You know, um, it, it's, it's kind of why I find it hard to root for the Oklahoma City Thunder mm-hmm. um, in the NBA, even though, you know, <laughs> they should – you know, they're, they're a great, fun team to watch. You know, part of me is still like, yeah, but, you know, you screwed Seattle. Yeah. Um, you know, just stuff like that. You know, the, you know I'm, I'm watching them literally right now as we're doing this podcast, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. You know, they screwed California, Ed. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, that, those are the ones I feel bad for are those uh, – or the fan bases. So that does suck for Shivas. Um, that said, at this point, Shivas is not one of the really marquee franchises for MLS. Yeah, not so at all. Really, I mean, on a national level especially, this will pretty much not even really make a blip on there. Um, one On a little bit of happier news, though, uh, the U.S. Uh, Cup was last night. The Lamar Hunt Trophy was awarded. Actually, I don't know that's the Lamar Hunt Trophy. I, actually, you know, I think it is. I believe it is Lamar Hunt Trophy. Yes, it was awarded last night to the Seattle Sounders after their 3-1 win in added extra time against the Philadelphia Union. Uh, Clint Dempsey, Wes, his first trophy. Uh, he's had a fantastic career, but this is his first piece of hardware. Well, I mean, look where he came up. I mean, he played it full. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And he played at Spurs, and he played at Spurs. So Yeah, I mean, he played at Fulham, he played at... I mean, Spurs were up there when he was there. Um, mm-hmm. I believe you guys went kind of deep in Europa yeah. when he was there. But, you know, never got it done. Uh, Fulham actually had a... God, I want to say Fulham played in the Europa League final while Dempsey was there. Hmm. Um, so, you know, he's he's had chances. I mean, yeah, it's great to see a guy like, uh, like Dempsey... I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not the world's biggest Clint Dempsey fan. Yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah, a guy like that, hey, he's paid his dues. It's nice to see him win something. Absolutely. And uh, just to back up what you said, that was the 2010 uh, Europa final that Fulham played in. That was a 2-1 loss to Atletico Madrid, actually, in yep. extra time. Uh, and just to see real quick if they have the rosters from that match, they do. And uh, Dempsey uh, was a substitute in that match. He came uh-huh. on in the 55th minute for good old Bobby Zamora. Uh, so he did get to play in it. And uh, who who was coaching Fulham, Wes? Who was coaching? Boy. 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 Oh. So you know they load in a big spot. And, Ed, you know what I find interesting is that since that match in 2010, my how two clubs have gone two completely <laughs> different directions. Yeah. Well, also you look at you look at who who did Atletico Madrid have up front in that match? Two guys you might have heard of, Diego Forlan and Sergio Aguero. 
Oh yeah. Well, you know, yeah. and um, yeah, they, they've been fantastic for years. It seems that unearthing talent. I mean, of course, before they brought in Sergio Aguero, um, their star striker and captain was a guy by the name of uh, Fernando Torres. He's pretty good. Yeah, and, and this, of course, was pre-Chelsea Torres. This <laughs> is before he went to Liverpool. And, of course, at Liverpool, he established himself as maybe the most dangerous striker in the world. So, um, yeah, they, they, have a, they have a knack of churning out top players. Well, that is your MLS update. Uh, also, before we move out of football, um, I do want to talk a little bit about something that I've been hearing and, and I don't know how much to believe. In fact, uh, the uh, Telegraph over in England has decided to write an article called Separating the Fact from the Fiction. This is how crazy it's getting. Um, rumors of CR7, Cristiano Ronaldo, returning to Manchester United. Uh, with all the buying Man U has done over this transfer window, could Ronaldo be making his way back to Old Trafford? Um, I gotta say, Wes, I, I I can actually see this happening. I don't know if I, I would happen in the next transfer window this winter. I could see him moving on from Real Madrid next season. Um, I don't know if it'll be that fast. Personally, looking at it, his contract with Real Madrid runs out in 2018. Uh-huh. I can't see him doing it before 2016. Um, and then maybe, you know, they try to hold out till 2017. Of course, at the same time, you know, Ronaldo, Ronaldo in so many ways is the Alex Rodriguez yes. <laughs> of yes. football. Um, you never know what Ronaldo's actual reasoning for doing things is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can see Ronaldo being one of those guys who he just wants a say in everything that they do. Yeah. And this is kind of his way of getting it is, um, you know, to make threats. So, because, I mean, that's the thing. The one That is the one club he would go back to would be Manchester United, and they mm-hmm. would take him so fast your head would spin. Yeah. So. Um, Absolutely. Count nothing out there. Oh, oh no. And, uh, you know, one, one thing they are mentioning here is – uh, Ronaldo actually shares an agent with Radamel Falcao, who, of course, just signed with Manchester United on transfers. So it's th- there are some signs pointing that direction. Uh, by 2016, it looks like Ronaldo will actually be 32. So one of those times where a return trip to Old Trafford to end his career wouldn't, I don't think, would be out of the cards at all. Um, I, I just do, would it make would it make United better? And obviously, we we don't know what their team will look like at that point. But do you think it would make United better, or would it just sell jerseys? Well, I mean, it would it would probably be a good player to help get them out of the championship. <laughs> <laughs> Sick burn, shots fired. Um, oh, that's great. I mean, we'll just have to see what he is by then. I mean, as of right now, you know, the one thing. Ronaldo does have a few niggling injuries, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have major injuries on his resume over the years. Right. You know, and I think Ronaldo's the kind of guy who he's so skilled with the ball at his feet. You know, I can see him still being a good player, you know, when he's 32, 33, 34, 35 years mm-hmm. old. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't quite know if he's a Ryan Giggs that I'm going to play till I'm 40. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, truly for somebody like Ronaldo, there's only so many prime years where you can just be banging as many sluts around the world as you could possibly do. So, you know, would he want to give up those years to, you know, maybe become a part-time starter at Man United? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't. So that's our soccer talk for the day. That's how we're going to end that. Um, let's, let's go, let's go to college football, Wes. What do you say? Well, sure. I mean, hey, I like college. You know, speaking of banging sluts all around the world, um, how about that Jameis Winston and what he likes to say on top of, uh, tables in the quad at Florida Is he State? ever going to learn his lesson? I w- this wasn't even a topic on the rundown, but it, it, he, how stupid do you have to be at this point? Like not as I know I hate Florida State and and obviously we know you do too being a supporter of Miami. But just from a neutral observer, how stupid do you have to be? <laughs> I mean especially this week of all Yeah. Weeks, yeah. Everything is going on and everybody's got the, you know, fine-tooth comb out and is looking for something to have a fit about and you stand on top of a table and start screaming, may I, may I repeat what he said, Ed? It is quite graphic. It, it's pretty much, it's a, a popular meme out on the internet right now. I actually that's, don't know what he said. That's, that's all I, all I know is that it is a meme that he said, but go ahead. I'll, I'll bleep it if it gets too bad. Basically he, um, he would stand up on a table in the quad and when co-eds would walk by, he would scream her right in the yeah, that, wow. That, that's exactly, it's like, A, how old are you? How old are you? I mean, he's 20, 21 years old. Now, yes, he's still a kid, but, I mean, really? I, you know, I, if this is a guy who has been accused of rape. Yeah. You've been accused of rape. Yeah. Don't you think maybe you'd calm down with some of the sexual shit after a while? But he, he's a moron. I mean, you know, if you go back and look at just the stuff he's done since he got he got to Florida State. Yeah. Okay. Obviously, you know, he was accused of rape. There's yeah. one. That's, re- that's really bad for starters. That's really bad for starters. There's th- this incident. Okay. The, um, the standing on the table yelling obscene things at mm-hmm. co-eds as they walk by. Right. Um, there's, of course, uh, Crabgate. Mm-hmm. You know, over the summer, where he where he accidentally quote accidentally in my air quotes forgot to pay for a ten pound bag of crab legs. Mm-hmm. You know, we all forget that when we're just walking around with ten pound bags of crab legs. Obviously, we all just forget to pay for them every now and then. Uh, before that, um, he and uh, a a friend of his, a teammate, who by the way, these two seem to get in trouble quite a bit together. Um, you know, he was cited for carrying a BB pistol on campus. Yeah. Uh, and then he and the same friend uh, on the same day received a bill for $4,200 for damages done to their apartment um, after it looked like they had a BB gun fight. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm here, here's here's the other a, thing. There's a string. There's a string. There's a history of bad decisions. And I'm, I'm just going to say this about him. He's a phenomenally talented 
college quarterback. Yeah. I do believe if I'm an NFL team, though, there is no way I'm touching this guy with a 10-foot pole because, you know, if you thought Manziel was bad, if you thought Manziel split opinions, you know, Manziel was just a little punk was all he was. I mean, this guy has a history of doing things that actually are getting him into trouble. Um, Decision-making, not very high up the uh, priority list for this guy. No, and here's the other thing that bothers me. I mean, you mentioned the crab legs uh, incident. What does he get penalized? Oh, he misses a weekend series against Minnesota in baseball. Oh, what what does he get for for doing this in the quad? Oh, he's going to miss the first half of the game against Clemson Clemson. Like there's there's no there's been no real repercussions for anything he's done. Like you mentioned the bill, but I'm sure that got taken care of. You know, there uh, there wasn't almost any penalties for the alleged rape case, which let's not even go into how bad it looks like the Florida police screwed that one up. I I, I, I don't understand. Well, I guess I kind of do because it's Florida State and it's football. But yeah. why he's getting allowed uh, to shoot, dude. And I, I think the message, especially this week, that Jimbo Fisher could have sent was, hey, we're not going to tolerate this crap. We're suspending him for the entire Clemson game. I don't care if we end up losing and it destroys our season. Florida State is no longer going to stand for this kind of shit. And that's that was their opportunity to make a stand, and they didn't. They're, they're babies. They're babbies. Well, they don't call them felony state for nothing, Ed. It's, it's, it's sad, and it's disappointing, and it's terrible, really, is, it is. is, is what it is. It really is. It, it's a joke, man. And, um, you know, the, the, the point I made today, of course, the only way that this actually came out around Florida State, what he did, he wasn't really reported. It's that all of a sudden people just started tweeting what he did. Yeah. Yeah, it blew up on Twitter, and that's why they've been forced to take action. Well, here's my here's my deal: is um, you know, let's just say that uh, Clemson jumps out to a twenty-eight to seven lead this weekend, and uh, by the time they get Jameis back in, they end up losing, let's say thirty-five to thirty-one in this game. Mm-hmm. All those people who um, you know, were complaining about what he did on Twitter are going to be furious that uh, Jimbo Fisher sat him out the first half of the game and they lost. Obviously. So, I mean, it's it's such a cycle, man. The, the hero worship. Oh, God. Hero worship is completely, completely out of hand. Um, excuse me one second, Ed. Let me, let me light this candle at my Steven Gerrard shrine quickly. <laughs> um, okay. All hail thee, St. Stephen. Oh, With audio props. Audio props. I love them. Um, Okay. But, but, you know, really, I mean, it's so just, it's out of control, man. And these guys on college campuses, I mean, they're worshiped. They're worshiped. Um, There's nothing they can do literally short of pulling what Kevin Olson did at Miami this past week. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, To get them to gaming done. I mean, there's a thing I'd like to know if Jameis pulled what Kevin Olson did, what do you think is happening to Jameis? I would imagine the same thing that's happening to him this week. I, I mean, I are, just, are we going to, oh, Jameis, you know, you got a DUI and we're uh, driving with a fake ID. 
you you're gonna run some extra laps and you're gonna sit where you're gonna sit out the whole game this week against Florida A&M which by the way I mentioned that they they could have done that this week against uh, Clemson if he got a DUI and that's all they suspended him for was the one game against Clemson I'd be still furious because the, again the punishment doesn't fit the friggin crime it's not no. even close no. I, um, it's, it's a culture, it's a culture at Florida state, you know, you know, it's famously been pointed out, you know, that Miami and yes, I sound like the pillar of all great things. Miami, obviously Miami has their problems, but you know, overall Miami was forced to clean up their act, mm-hmm. you know, first after the Pell Grant scandal in the nineties and then after the whole Nevin Shapiro scandal, yeah, Miami has been forced to clean up their act. Mm-hmm. But it seems like there's nothing that can make Florida State clean up their act. They're they're protected, man. They're that's that's what it is. Damn state I, universities. It's 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 depressing and it's awful. But at least we have Todd Gurley in our lives, and hopefully he will go off for monster yardage uh, against Troy. And then I believe uh, Tennessee is who they have next, correct? Um, I believe you are correct with it. All right, so we'll 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 have more of an update on him uh, once he gets some more play time. Obviously, they lost to South Carolina. He still had 131 rushing yards, and he's still great. So, and do you do you want do you want to go on a rant about what you wanted you did uh, during the uh, the sports show Sunday night? Do you want another platform for that? Yes, I do. the The international audience needs to hear this. Go for it, folks. Now, now folks, I, I understand that a lot of you people who tune into this podcast, you are fans of the food. And that's wonderful. So basically what I'm going to say is, um, okay, let's just say that you, you have a, uh, you have a penalty kick. Yeah. And you're in the finals. No, not the finals. Let's say, let's say you're in the quarterfinals of the champions league Mm -hmm. and you have a penalty kick and you're tied on aggregate, but you've got to get this penalty kick because if you don't, you're going to lose on away goals. So you get the penalty kick, and let's just say you have, oh, let's just say Steven Gerrard. Mm-hmm. But then, instead of sending Steven Gerrard up to kick that penalty, you look up into the stands, and you find Fat Nigel, who's had about <laughs> 10 beers, and you say, come on down, Nigel. We're going to give you a number 93 here, and we're going to tell you to go in and take this penalty and let Stevie just watch you. Stevie's just going to stand to the side and pretend he's going to take the penalty kick. And, of course, old Nigel does what he does. He goes out there and skies the ball 10 feet over the bar, and you lose the match because of it. That's your equivalent to what happened because Georgia had the ball at the freaking four-yard line with the best player in America, Todd Gurley, completely running through South Carolina like through a Gamecock and you don't give him the ball. You end up getting what what actually truly was a BS um, intentional grounding call, a horrible intentional grounding call. You know, that's on the refs. But then two plays later, you end up missing the game-tying field goal. And, I mean, it was just... It, it was it was horrifying as a yeah. as a Georgia supporter. It was horrifying to watch what they did. Yeah, and this and Mark Richt has come out and said, "Yeah, we should have given the ball to the hammer." Really? 
Oh yeah, I mean he he said it. He said no, he no, said, no. That's that's my response to him is really, of course. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, and, and because of that, here, you know, like we said, we are more you and I are more Georgia supporters than Georgia diehards by yeah, by all means. Absolutely. Um, I, I believe me a little more than you because I like George even before Todd Gurley ever went down there, and I like him after he leaves. Yeah, but um. You know, for a fan base like Georgia's who they've just had seasons where it's always been one or two plays that seem to, you know, be the difference between playing for a national title or, you know, playing in a BCS bowl game. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I mean, hey, yeah, you love playing in the Sugar Bowl. But when you're, you know, when you come up a yard short for playing in the national championship. Well, I think, you know, a perfect example of that is, uh, I believe it was two years ago, they played in the SEC championship game had had driven down for what I believe would have been a game winning touchdown Uh and then let the clock run out on them instead of spiking the ball. Yeah. So, you know, for, for a fan base that's had to put up with this, um, their last national championship came in 1980. Yeah. Um, and they've they've probably had a good half dozen teams that were good enough to win it since then, but something always derailed it, whether it be an injury or, you know, just a they show up or don't show up for a game every now and then, you know, for it to end like that. And this was a Georgia team that probably wasn't going to go undefeated, mm-hmm. but you know, to at least not give yourself the chance. Yeah. That just, I know it hurts for all those Georgia fans out there. I know it's killing you. It killed me inside. It killed me more just for Todd. Yeah. Because, you know, obviously we consider Todd to be um, probably our best friend in the entire world. Absolutely. And I'm sure he considers us that as well. Sure. Um, I really, I really hurt for him. But I did hurt for those Georgia Bulldogs. And, um it's been tough, man. It's been tough. That said, uh, if there is a team that can that by uh, running the table after a loss could easily find themselves back in the college football playoff, it's Georgia. Yeah, but you saw that defense, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're not running the table. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. They won't – I don't think they're going to face an offense like South Carolina's until maybe the championship, mainly because they don't have to play especially Texas A&M this year. So oh, I, I, I think they could be still okay. Um <laughs> But if they run into a real good passing attack, they're probably dead. Um, let's transition uh, from talk of one playoff to talk of another. Uh, baseball is winding oh, well, real down. Quick, can, I, oh. can I at least give, can I at least plug my college football game of the week? Sure, go ahead. Because um, you know, Ed, when you live where we live, it doesn't get much bigger than North Carolina traveling to East Carolina. Is that this weekend? It is this weekend. Oh. Good job, Tar Heel. Good job there, Tar Heel fan. Yeah. Yeah, go, go, Tar Heel. Well, no. And uh, the Flames have been stoked with um, one of the Tar Heel players uh, on <laughs> on WRL stating that, uh, oh, we still feel East Carolina's beneath us. So, yeah, buddy, after, after we hung uh, 55 on you in Chapel Hill last year? Yeah. Okay. Whatever works for you, pal. Yeah, that 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 guy should be reprimanded, whoever he was. I, I'm sure our quarterback will still be great, though. Number four, let's say. Maybe. Whoever you want it to be, Ed. I don't know. I I don't I don't know, and I really, quite frankly, don't care. 
There's only one team in college football that really has my heart this year, and they have a G on their helmet. So, yeah. Even even Stanford, I'm just like, eh, I'll, I'll follow you guys a little bit. Not much. Um, so, again, moving on to the playoffs. Yeah, that's going to be a huge college football match. I'm sure you guys will all watch it. Um, we have a couple division winners now in Major League Baseball. Washington and Baltimore both clinching their respective Eastern divisions um, over the past couple days. Baltimore now all of a sudden also looking unexpectedly to an extent like they could be the number one seed in the american league uh angels scuffling here a little bit towards the end and baltimore on a hot streak winning four in a row uh baltimore now as of this podcast two and a half games behind la for what would be the number one seed uh, i doesn't look like any other team can really catch baltimore from behind so baltimore right now guaranteed to finish no worse than second in the pecking order of the american league uh, just, um, Omar didn't think anybody could catch him from behind, and he was from Baltimore. Oh, don't no, not Omar. Oh, Omar. sad. Go watch the wire, everyone. Um, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, of Oakland, of LA, of Southern California. They have clinched a playoff spot and are a mere game away, I believe, from winning the division. They are ten and a half up on Oakland uh, in the American League West. Uh, we do have a little bit of a race going on in the American League Central now. All of a sudden, uh, right now, as of this podcast, Detroit has a half game lead. After Wednesday's action over Kansas City, um, all of a sudden this has gotten very tight. Uh, and these two teams do play three-game series later on this week. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see how the Central plays out. Of course, also Oakland and Seattle fighting for a wild-card spot. And Wes, most surprising, Oakland was a team I thought you, I think you and I thought could both win the World Series. Now, right now, they're just kind of hanging on, trying to finish making the playoffs here. Well, of course, that's what happens when I decide to pick you. Yes. Uh, the good old West Branch on Kiss of Death. Yeah. Um, that said, man, with that pitching staff, I mean, you you still have to completely fear Oakland, in a, especially in a short series. You have to fear Oakland. Absolutely. I will also say this. Seattle's pitching staff, though, if they can get in, they're really good too. Like there, there, there could be there could be some arms races if you have teams like Detroit, LA, and Oakland, and if somehow Seattle overtakes Kansas City for the second wild card spot. And and then and then oh, there's Baltimore, who who right now you know still only giving up 555 runs in the league. That's, you know, just good for second in, in the in the American League <laughs> behind Oakland. And it, um, a fascinating little article, you know, just talking about pitching in general, yeah. fascinating little article on Grantland.com this week. Um, you know, of course, right now the rage in all of baseball is um, with, with, with due cause, um, the greatness of Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, he's the, pretty good. Um, Los Angeles Dodgers, Los Angeles of Los Angeles Dodgers, you yeah. know, nowhere else, just Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's kind of an open letter um, written by uh, Pedro Martinez's 2000 season. Oh, where he basically oh says, oh, wow, this is, you're, you sure are having a great season, Clayton Kershaw. You know, it's, um, it's really impressive, you know, of course, getting to play the majority of your games against the Rockies. 
Padres and Diamondbacks. He said, you know, I mean, I, the 2000 Pedro Martinez season, only went through, um, you know, maybe the deepest American league in history during the juice ball era. <laughs> yes. um, and literally, uh, I believe 0. .01 was the difference in their ERA. Yeah. So, um, pretty good. You know, as a, as a, as a uh, diehard Pedro Homer apologist fan, I uh, just found that very, very good reading and always just getting, as a Red Sox fan, being able to reminisce about um, when Pedro was the greatest baseball player living at the time was always just a fun thing. Um, I am going to quickly look up here, so I might I might be stumbling over some words here. I do yeah. kind of want to see, because you do mention this comparison uh, between leagues and between eras. I do, uh, one good stat to kind of look at that is ERA Plus, uh, because I believe that is adjusted for both uh, your year and your opposition. Um, and I'm trying to find ERA Plus right here. Right now I'm on baseballreference.com. Uh, and if I look at his, uh, certainly ERA Plus is going to be here somewhere. Certainly, certainly they're going to show this to me. Certainly, I'm not going to just make this up off the top of my head now. We're getting really nervous. Oh, here we go. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, his ERA Plus this year, um, which is, to, to calculate ERA Plus, it's 100 times uh, the league average ERA divided by uh, your ERA. And it's also adjusted to the player's ballpark. Of course, Pedro also in a fairly hitters-friendly ballpark as well, being Fenway compared to uh, Chavez Ravine over in L.A. Um, Clayton Kershaw's ERA this ERA plus this year, 210, which is really, 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 really good. Fantastically good. So we'll now really quickly look up Pedro's. Um, Do-do-do-do. Not that, not that Pedro Martinez, this Pedro Martinez. Um, and if we take a look really quickly at his ERA plus, uh, that 2000 season you're mentioning? Yeah. Um, just an ERA plus of 291. Hmm. Hmm. And, uh, you know, his ERA plus in 1999, 243. Mm-hmm. His ERA plus in 1997, 219. Mm-hmm. His ERA plus in 2003, 211. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. just saying. Just saying, Pedro. Really, 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 really good. Yeah. Ridiculously good. You also mentioned that uh, that uh, the 1999 season um, finished second in the MVP voting. And that was also the one where um, Pedro came out of the uh, bullpen in uh, game five of the division series yep. against Cleveland yep. uh, with basically a partially, you know, with a <laughs> something, it had something torn in his shoulder. Yeah. Um, came out of the bullpen through six no hit innings. Yeah, all basically on two days rest. <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, here, here's a here's a Wes. I'm gonna give you a pro tip. Pedro Martinez is pretty good at pitching. Oh man, dude, you just you just don't understand. I was I was around a junior senior in high school, and Pedro was in his prime. And God, he was gone. I mean, literally, I would skip Friday night parties to say, "Oh, sorry, I have to go watch Pedro pitch on TV." <laughs> And it'll be whatever random channel we could find him on and did not care, man. Watching Pedro pitch was, God, it was just amazing. In 1999, Pedro gave up 
0.4 home runs per nine innings. Yeah. So basically, he was giving up less than a home run every 18 innings in the steroid era. Against what? Against, you know, pitching almost every time out against the New York Yankees that they played him um, in Fenway, which is a freaking cracker box. Yeah. I, it's, it's not funny, man. It's crazy. Clayton Kershaw, you are amazing and wonderful and maybe the best pitcher in baseball today. You, sir, are not Pedro Martinez, though. And I'm not saying you correct you you did not compare yourself to him. No, no, no. But uh, and of course, is um, another thing I'd like to point out is that uh, you know Clinton Kershaw is an absolute thoroughbred stud build athlete. I believe he's somewhere six six two forty yeah. left handed. Yeah, Pedro was five ten and weighed about a buck sixty. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and yes, this is totally devolved in us talking about Pedro. But um, my last thing to say. You know, when people say, oh, well, he didn't do it for that long. He didn't do it for that long. I always like to point out to me, Pedro was the modern day Sandy Koufax. Absolutely. About a six season run starting in about 97 when he was in Montreal Mm -hmm. and won the Cy Young. For about six, seven seasons, he was nearly unhittable. Um, He was the best pitcher in baseball. And there wasn't really much close to it. I believe that that 2000 season – um, his ERA was, I believe, one seven five. The I next really lowest ERA. The only, the only other ERA. Well, the next closest ERA to him was Roger Clemens, who was like three nine that year. And I believe they said um, Clemens, Clemens ERA was the only one that was under what is the National League average this year. Um, I will, um, I'm quickly looking up. It, it actually is a bigger gap than you remember. Oh, um, wow. in 2000, Pedro's ERA was 1.74. Uh-huh. Roger Clemens was second at 3.7. Almost two runs. Two runs a game. <laughs> and this is, and this is Roger Clemens. Who's, you know, whatever you may think steroid era, is widely regarded as maybe the greatest overall right-handed pitcher ever. Yeah. I mean, Mike Messina was third that year when he was still at Baltimore. 3.79. Yeah. So, I mean, it was... It was sick. Anyway, Anyway, okay, enough enough talking about uh, late 90s, early 2000s uh, Major League pitching. (laughs) I will also say real quick, one more thing before we get on. Um... Pedro had the highest war. Whatever you think about wins above replacement, he had the highest war for pitchers at 11.7. The next best was actually Brad Radke at 6.2. By the way, I, I don't think the Red Sox made the playoffs that year, so it's not exactly like this was a juggernaut. This wasn't the 2004 Red Sox. Nope, nope. Where he won his World Series. This wasn't the mid-2000s Red Sox. Nope. This was a Red Sox team that was basically, um, yeah, this was pre, that was pre-Manny. So yeah. this is basically um, Nomar, Pedro, and Prey. Do you remember Jose Offerman? I do. <sighs> oh, and these guys literally, and, and they got, I believe, a six game in the uh, ALCS against the Yankees. Yeah, they were pretty good with guys um, like and Dawback and uh, oh God. Yeah, obviously, obviously Tim Wakefield. <laughs> yeah, obviously he's he's the Brad Friedel of baseball. Um, Pedro's <laughs> war also that year was the highest in all of baseball, beating even Alex Rodriguez's in Seattle at 10.3. I, 
And he only he only threw every five days, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Although you could, if if somebody really hates the statistic war, they could probably cite that Darren Erstad was third in war that year in the American League. Erstad was a stud that year, though. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he was. He wasn't. Um, he, wasn't he, was, he did hit three fifty five that year. He wasn't juicing at all. So <laughs> no. Hey, he wasn't. He wasn't juicing. That was his magical powers. He earned as being a punter at Nebraska that many, manned him up for playing baseball. How many bombs did Brady Anderson hit that year? <laughs> that year, not many. I, his big year was ninety six when he hit like fifty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the most obvious, I, I decided to get on roids in the offseason guy in baseball history. Yeah, pretty much. Brady Anderson, Brady Anderson went from being a slap leadoff hitter, um, who I don't think had ever hit more than like 15 home runs, to he went from like 15 to 50. Yep, and and as a, and as a young baby Edward, as, as a Baltimore Orioles fan, I loved every single second of it. Well, so did uh, well, uh, the young children and the um, – and basically, the females of every age group. Brady oh. Anderson was, uh, whoo! Brady Anderson was there. Yeah, they love the sideburns. You can't, you can't deny that. Gorgeous, gorgeous man. All right, let's. We we've gone down a baseball rabbit hole that I wasn't anticipating. So, um, my, our next topic was going to be the NFL. Uh, we talked about it a little bit off pod and a little bit to begin. Do you want to talk more about the NFL and all its issues? Literally, I just I want to paraphrase everything in in just a couple of sentences. Okay. Get your act together. You are embarrassing yourself. That's it. I will. That's all I, I have to say about the NFL at this point. I I brought this up on the uh, the show I did this morning because I pretty much ran out of topics about thirty minutes in. Um, what has happened is obviously terrible. Coming up next month in October. Um, is going to be Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Oh, where they where, women every year? Exactly, where everybody's going to be wearing their pink accessories. Does Roger Goodell have to step down before then, before this league becomes an absolute farce? Maybe more than it already has to an extent. I, I mean, because what kind of message do you send when you have the domestic abuse policy that they've had for, for this period of time, and has especially come to light now, which up until about a month ago, there was actually no domestic abuse policy. <laughs> and now you're going out saying, hey, we support women. Yeah. What, I mean, does especially, Roger Goodell have to fall on the sword? Especially when you buy jerseys. Then we really support you. Hey, pink jerseys are awesome. I think we said a week ago he needs to, but he won't. Because yeah. for some reason, Roger Goodell thinks that he does no wrong. I mean, that's really, that's his biggest problem. He completely thinks that he is above the law and that he does no wrong. He thinks because the NFL is such this juggernaut, this, you know, money-making juggernaut, which it is, that, you know, well, I don't have to play by the same rules as everybody else does. And it's... It's sick, it's wrong, but it's the deal right now. And the owners love Roger Goodell because all the owners care about is he's making them money. He's made them bank. Until until people stop going to the games and stop buying the jerseys and really do something to take a stand against the NFL, th- there's going to be no change because, I'm sorry, these guys are in it for the money. Here's, an, here's another question. I, this is, a, I think, an interesting hypothetical. Um, obviously we, we love our foot, 
We we love it. We love it to death. Um, I'd like to pretend we're right now above the NFL in terms of our scandals and controversies. Maybe to an extent we actually are. Um, so here's my question: If as as a, and I want you to answer this as a fan of the NFL. Now I know, and we know you're not really much of a fan anymore. And to be fair, neither am I. Mm-hmm. But as a fan, if you are a fan of the NFL. Who would you rather want as commissioner right now, Goodell or Sepp Blatter? Oh God! Yeah, there's a question. Do you do you want someone who just turns his eye to? Do you want someone who just basically flips off the fans and turns his eye to what's right, or or do you want or do you want uh, Roger Goodell? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or or do or do you want like you know whoever leads ISIS at the moment? <laughs> Oh God! Ooh, ooh, that got dire in a hurry. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know what the answer is to to, to take it seriously for a moment. Like, on one hand, you have a guy who's basically hated by everyone, but nobody's going to run against him. Like we had Platini, you know, we just talked about it last week. He's not going to run against him, and he's also pretty corrupt. I, I, I think in one scenario, I think Bladder's super corrupt. I think Goodell's just inept at this point. And so I think that's the question is, do you want someone corrupt or do you want someone inept? Well, and and here's the difference. The difference is, you know, excuse me for getting all xenophobic, this is America? Yeah. I just feel someone, you know, someone else is going to say, you know, this is screwed up. I'll, I'll step up and I'll take the reins here. You know, the whole deal with FIFA is, you know – Every everyone there is just getting their palm greased all yeah. the way down. So you know, once again, I mean, both both Bladder and Goodell are still in power for really the same reasons because they're making they're making the people that they work for they're making them a lot of money, and, and sadly, that's what it's all about. You know, right and wrong, um, morals these days they're they all take a back seat to the bottom line, man. And yeah. no, that's sad, but that's that's the truth this day and age. It's it is depressing, uh, especially as NFL has become the biggest league in America. Uh, the <laughs> profits just keep rolling in. Um, I I do wonder when we're going to hit the threshold. Um, obviously, no matter what the league says, I can't imagine that if every female fan of the NFL decided to turn their back, it would make that much of a dent in the league. Um, so I, I wonder what the tipping point will truly be for the league. Um, obviously, they've been dealing with concussions. Um, huge issues right now with domestic violence. It's it's can they weather the storm? And, I, and the person I was talking to actually today on the show about this, he said that he actually thinks that the uh, the NFL right now is like some of the U.S. banks. They're too big to fail. And it's possible like, he might be right. I, I just I just feel that some there there is a point somewhere where, you know, somewhere there's a line that's going to be crossed where people are going to turn the television off or they're going to say, no, I'm not getting season tickets again because this is just too ridiculous. This is too much. You know, 
I just I I don't know what that point is going to be. Mm-hmm. My point is just you know I've got so many so many other things I'm just more interested in than the NFL. I mean that's really why I put the NFL on the back burner. Right. I've just got I've just got other things I'm interested in you know, and I've only got so much time in the day to care about things. Right. Um. You know it, it's going to be it's going to be those fans in you know just Chicago or you know Green Bay or Dallas, you know, it's going to be those fans who eventually are going to make this decision. Um, because as long as they're printing their own money, basically, I just don't see a lot changing. You know, yes, they're going to do different things. They're good. They're going to put in policies. They're going to try to cut things down, but I just don't believe the, the culture of, you know, whatever the dollars, what matters is going to change anytime soon until the consumer makes the difference themselves. Yeah, I think you're right. As long as long as the NFL maintains itself as a multi-million or possibly billion dollar industry, oh, it's, it, it's, it, it's, it's yeah, it's going to stay the status quo and that's and that's super unfortunate. Um I also just real quick before we wrap this up, it's it's interesting that we're talking this much about domestic violence now when I believe it was 2 years ago we had the tragic case of the Kansas City player committing a murder suicide against his fiance i believe and and nothing and, and the shocking thing is that that wasn't an impetus for change granted he un- unfortunately passed away so there wasn't anything you could do against him i guess well but, i think they blamed it on concussions yeah didn't they i didn't they just use that to turn I, on I their right. uh, you know concussion deal so i think you're right you know. They use it for what they wanted to. Uh, it's depressing. Um, let's well, get a little... Really, go ahead. Just to finish, the, the problem yeah. is now that it's, it's stars. That guy wasn't a star. Yeah. It's star players now. It's um, it's Hardy, and it's Ray Rice, and, you know, to an extent, it's Adrian Peterson. You know, th- there's the difference now. It, it's big time. It's big names. Yeah, and we'll, so. we'll see how many more dominoes continue to fall as... As more and more of these issues come to light, uh, again, uh, the one, just I don't know if the podcast caught this, so I'm going to actually repeat this. Uh, the top, the first seven uh, headlines on ESPN.com sidebar uh, at the time of the starting this podcast were: Dwyer charged with assaulting woman child, Panthers Hardy also placed on exempt list, Wince is suspended for one half, Vikings admit mistake as Peterson barred. Peterson's mom, quote, not about abuse, but love. Texas quarterback, Ash, to end career after tough year, which we haven't even mentioned, unfortunately. Quarterback for the Texas Longhorns. He's going to be leaving uh, his playing college football because of concussions. And then Colin Kaepernick fined $11,000, but he will be appealing that. So it's it's a dark time in the NFL right now. All right, moving on. Yep. Um, we're gonna, I'm gonna save our, uh, fall TV brief preview for next week, uh, since it is getting pretty late on, uh, the, the clock is starting to get towards the 90 minute mark. So before the referee looks at his whistle, Wes, uh, get us, get us so raw, get us, get us an update on what is happening. I saw your Twitter feed exploding on Monday night. So good stuff is going. And I believe if I remember correctly, there is a pay-per-view this Sunday night. Oh, there is. Oh, as I pop open my um, my crystal clear Pepsi. Nice sponsors. 
20 years old and still delicious. Um, it is, Ed, time to get so raw. Golly, I, I didn't even get my cornstarch out to try to, um, you know, you know, calm the chafing because uh, I was just so excited to get on the show tonight. So, all right, so we're going to get raw right now. Um, this past week on Raw, it was the go-home show night of champions. Quickly approaching Sunday night, the 21st, uh, starts at 8 o'clock on the WWE Network, which if you help watch or are under a rock somewhere, only costs $9.99 a month. That's a great deal for a pay-per-view, $9.99. When the last one I paid for costs, I think, $64. So anyway, um... Hey, it was awesome. Shield and the Wyatt six-man tag. Oh, 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 the thickening, the thickening, Ed. Ah, yummy. Um, but what have we got this week, folks? It, it is about time. Um, the, the big part of Raw this past week was um, kind of coming to a head. The John Cena-Brock Lesnar matchup that's going to happen at night of champions and ed what you must understand you folks who don't keep up with it much and you are one of those ed uh brock lesnar is big he's tough he's an amazing fighter he sounds like a blithering idiot when he opens his mouth yeah that's not good Uh, and, and that's that's just what he is he's um he, he's, he sounds like an idiot. It's not totally his fault. Some people just have the genes, some don't. What he has in is a man named Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman is considered by many to be the greatest talker in the history of wrestling. Paul Heyman is the advocate to Brock Lesnar. In the old days, they called them managers, whatever you want to call them. He is basically Brock Lesnar's advocate. So he does all the talking, and Paul Heyman is absolutely amazing when it comes to getting on a microphone he uh he can play a crowd he can play a television crowd he can he can play nearly anyone uh into being putty in his hands Mm. and he had he had this guy just going crazy um (laughs) you know getting us hyped up for that match john cena comes out and then everything explodes as brock lesnar uh comes to the ring and he and cena ensue to have a nice little brawl before the pay-per-view coming up this week. Beautiful. So um, it, it is at a fever pitch. I'm not totally sold on how WWE has built up to this, but they've done about as good, I guess, at this point as you can expect WWE to do. So, um, you know, I'm kind of wondering after this where John Cena goes because I don't think Cena is going to win at Night of Champions. Uh-huh. Um, so I believe it's going to be interesting to see what happens next with John Cena. Oh, we'll be getting uh, your. Go ahead. Well, oh no, you go ahead, Ed. I was about to transition. No, I was. I was gonna say I. I can't wait to get your thoughts on that, especially after the pay per view and as we uh, march towards WrestleMania this winter. Yes. Um, WrestleMania is an April event. Um, okay. So our our next major pay per view is. Um, is actually the Survivor Series, which will be in November. Oh, and after that, Ed, the really big one, what kicks off WrestleMania season, is the Royal Rumble in January. Oh, that's what I was thinking of. Yes. That's a big Royal Rumble's a great one. You have the big Royal Rumble match, a 30-man um, battle royal, and the winner gets the shot at the world title. Uh, last year, your guy, Ed, Roman Reigns, yes. 
one of the last two left before losing to another one of your guys, Dave Batista. Yes. Um, and Reigns, that was really the match that may have established Roman Reigns as being the next up and coming big thing. So expect that to be good. But we'll 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 get to that as we get to it. Right. Um, this week a big one. Uh, the other one really to look at um, the aforementioned Reigns took on former Shield teammate Seth Rollins. Didn't really understand why they had these two fighting on Raw this week when they're going to turn around and fight on the pay per view. Um. But anyway, uh, brilliant, you know. brilliant WWE writing. Brilliant. Oh, it, oh and that, that is the biggest. Um, that is by far the biggest complaint that anyone has of WWE right now. The fans is that the writing staff is god awful at the moment for whatever reason. <laughs> um, well, the problem is they've gotten away from wrestling people and they brought in just like TV writers. Ah, that's awesome. it's like okay, yeah, we understand you know how to write a TV show, but you don't really get wrestling. So, <laughs> um. But those two did fight this week. It was a good match. Seth Rollins is one of those rare performers. He can make anyone he works with look like a million bucks. Gotcha. A million bucks. <laughs> um, and he did it with Roman Reigns, and I expect him to do it at the pay-per-view this weekend. And I am really excited for what is uh, really shaping up to be a really good pay-per-view card. So... That's so raw for this week, and um, I'm going to have to go and air myself out now. Oh, awesome. Well, it was a fantastic So Raw update. Uh, can't wait to get next week's So Raw after the big pay-per-view this Sunday, which you'll be able to watch because we don't have a sports show this Sunday night. Wouldn't have mattered if we did. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We would have pre-taped. You're right. I'll make you pre-tape now, so... <laughs> all right well that is going to do it for us here today on episode 20 of the all new sports show the podcast of course if you want to join in on the conversation uh you can hit us up on twitter our main one is at all new sports show that's the one that producer des mains right now uh he actually had a good retweet you did uh, the other day of um the the andrew ivan's Twitter that uh, talked about southwest edgecombs marcus williams getting an offer from duke so good job Good job on you doing that. But uh, if you want to hit our individual ones, Wes, your Twitter is? I am at Wes Bradshaw 21. I am at Edward Green. Uh, of course, our websites are also facebook.com slash show, instagram.com slash show, and youtube.com slash show. You can email us allnewsportshow at gmail.com and send your letters and parcels to 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mount, North Carolina, 27804. Again, all of those are in the podcast description. And of course, before we get out of here, we want to give a shout out to all our podcast hosts. Of course, podbean.com hosting our files and a lot of you following us on there. Over a hundred of you. Thank you so much for your support. Of course, also we're on iTunes. Just search for the all new sports show. And uh, we're on Stitcher Radio. Uh, just search for all new sports show there too. And if you go to our Facebook uh, page, you can also see in the uh, podcast link there a link to the RSS feed uh, so you can put it in to your podcaster of choice, which yours uh, is Podcast Nation? Um, Podcast Republic. Podcast Republic. I'm sorry, not the nation. It's the Republic. Republic. Very English of you. Very English of you. Well, uh, with the uh, with the Scottish decision coming soon, I felt it was very apt. Didn't that, uh, shouldn't that have actually come out by now? 
I believe it may have. I haven't looked it up yet. Uh, you know what? Let's 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 do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna really quickly just top up my Twitter feed here on my phone because I, I assume I can find that. Let's check for breaking news. I'm just gonna Google Scotland really quickly. Yeah, I'm going let's to search. Um, oh no no no! Today is the eve. Tomorrow is the big boat. I believe. Oh oh! Why didn't we do this podcast tomorrow? Anyway, um, it so there you go. Get out to vote, I guess. If you're listening to us over and over in the uh, the English, the the <laughs> crumbling empire. If you're there and you're listening to us, it's probably a little late. So yeah, it's true. With your boat. Yeah, because this podcast is probably going to get up around sometime between twelve and three o'clock Eastern Standard Time, which is between five and eight o'clock uh, English time, whatever their time zone is. Uh, so it's yeah. Standard time or something. It it might actually be Greenwich Mean like, Time. Aren't they on like the the main one or something? Yeah, they might actually be Greenwich Mean Time. Now that I think about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, GMC, That's it. That's what they always um, broadcast over there. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you've uh, if you're just finding out about this vote now, you've probably missed the boat. I apologize. Probably. Uh, Need to be one who's voting for it. So. Yeah, probably didn't need your vote anyway. Um, so with that though, we are gonna get out of here from episode twenty. Uh, Wes, before we do anything else, you want to add? Uh, Ed, go watch Brickleberry. What's that? You know what it is. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Uh, I'm still not gonna watch it. So from all of us here at the All New Sports Show, uh, don't actually watch Brickleberry. Listen to us and watch us on TV when we're on. That's Wes Bradshaw. Over there is producer Des. I am Edward Green. Thank you so much for listening to us here on the All-New Sports of the Podcast. We will be bringing you episode 21. We get old enough to drink. Next week, it's going to be a sloppy podcast, I'm sure. Good night, America and England and Scotland if you're no longer part of the United Kingdom. I'm getting hammered next week. Woo! Wasty face. Oh, Wes, can I get white girl wasted next week? Yes. Thank you. Thanks, Boo. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>